You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another, well, disappointed episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers fall to the Louisville Cardinals 77-62. to It's another loss for Indiana in Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Uh, another game with poor shooting in Bankers Life Fieldhouse as the Hoosiers fall. Uh, and we're going to break it all down for you on this episode of the Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris. I am here with Ryan Phillips. Andy Bottoms will not be joining us today. Uh, but Ryan is here uh, to break down this really just frustrating effort for Indiana uh, in a lot of facets. Uh, but let's start out this game as we always do. Start this postgame show as we always do with the banner moment. Uh, and there's really a couple I couldn't choose so I want to go with a couple of these. Uh, there was a moment from the first half uh, where it, it was just a, a great rebound put back by OG Ananobi uh, on a possession where Indiana had a couple of shots blocked. James Blackman Jr., uh, Deron Davis had shots blocked. But it showed Indiana's fight and their ability to get offensive boards, which was really, you know, I, I thought two of the big things coming out of this game that you take away as positives is how hard Indiana played. No, they didn't play well. Don't get me wrong. But they played really hard. They battled on the offensive glass. And that possession in particular cut it to a 25-24 game because Indiana was really in this early. Now, Louisville would extend the lead shortly thereafter, and Indiana obviously never got that close again. But that was a big moment and a big play from a guy in OG Ananobi who came to play and responded well uh, to not starting this game, I thought. And the other banner moment for me, which really is more of a microcosm moment because I thought it was a microcosm of this season. It was 67-53 in the second half. And OG took the ball out of a timeout and drove down the lane and authored one of the greatest dunks. Well, really probably his second best dunk after the one that he had against Michigan State uh, last year. I mean, it was a powerful dunk. It was a, just an incredible play on a court of athletes. It showed that OG might be the best athlete on the court. And it's a reminder of how spectacular he can be. And when he is not so focused on shooting threes and more focused on driving and getting into the paint like that and using his athleticism, he can be such a dynamic force and the kind of force that you build championship teams around. Now, the problem is that he got fouled and then went and nearly airballed the free throw. And if that isn't a microcosm of this Indiana season so far, a big, spectacular, showy play like the wins over Kansas and North Carolina but then nearly airballing the free throw, which you can liken to the losses to Fort Wayne and Nebraska. I'm not really sure what else is a microcosm uh, of this season so far for Indiana. Uh, so to me, uh, those two plays uh, are Hoosier proud banner moments uh, for this Indiana loss. Uh, and tonight's banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier, check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY to receive 15% off 
at HoosierProud.com. All righty, well, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team, uh, which is just one man today, Ryan Phillips. He is back. He was unable to rant after the Nebraska game. Uh, but there's plenty to rant about today, Ryan, so take your pick. Uh, I, I think that what you got to focus on from this game, obviously there are reasons this happened uh, that we'll get into in this game. But when you look at Indiana's offensive output, they're not a good enough team to finish the game 19 of 59 from the field, shooting 32.2%. They're not a good enough team to shoot four of 21 from three-point range, 19% on the day. Um, I, I think this is a very talented team that when it puts its mind to it can 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 obviously author big wins over over good teams like UNC and and Kansas and um and I don't think those wins are flukes I think that was that this team playing the way they should play and playing how they can but you can't have Robert Johnson going one of thirteen from the field and expect to win uh, you can't have just you know you can't have a 19% three-point shooting night. And and look, Louisville's defense had a lot to do with that. Louisville played outstanding defense on the perimeter, played high-pressure defense on the perimeter. But when a team is pressuring you that much on the perimeter, you've got to find a way to get past that front row, that first line of defense, and work through the paint and get the ball into the post. And Indiana didn't do that today. Indiana did not find a solution to what was presented to them. And And... and Louisville's going to make a lot of teams look bad offensively this year. I mean, that's just what they do. But the fact that Indiana only turned the ball over 14 times, I mean, and I say only because this that's that's good for this Indiana team, sadly. Um, and, and the fact that they out-rebounded Louisville by 11 and, and, and were really in all other facets of the game, were in the game, but they couldn't get over the hump offensively and they couldn't find things. And, and as soon as they would look to go inside, you know, they'd throw a pass to Thomas Bryant to his wrong hand and it get knocked away or, or Thomas Bryant would get the ball, take one dribble and get it knocked away. Or, or Deron Davis, the same thing would happen. They would get the ball in the paint and just misplay it. Um, that's not acceptable against a good team. And it's not acceptable when you're a team as talented as Indiana and that's on coaching. That's on the players. That's on, you know, guys just stepping up and somebody being a leader. And, and we've, we've harped on leadership with this team and it's, it's, it's on the entire team to, to find a solution to this because you cannot screw around against a team like Louisville and expect to win. And, and, and you can do that against some of the lower tier teams that Indiana has played in the preseason, but you can't. And I think that we'll talk about this. I'm sure I want to talk about this, but I want to talk about scheduling and, and, and making better decisions as far as that goes, both preseason and, you know, uh, against some of these big name teams. So, uh, you know, it's it just a disappointing effort because this, we know what this Indiana team's capable of when they, uh, you know, do what they're supposed to do and play how they're supposed to play and play how they can play. And today was just, it was a disappointment all the way around. I mean, there was, there was no, uh, you know, I was, I was saying at the end when they were down about 15, it's time for this team to find some momentum and build towards the Wisconsin game. Cause that's another huge game right on the horizon. They need to win that game now after the loss to Nebraska. So I think that, um, you know, it's just, it, it, it's hard to find positives from this one. And, and Indiana has no one to blame but themselves. Yeah. By the way, uh, Ryan's rant brought to us by TheBigLead.com. You know, it, you know, you said it's a disappointing effort. And I know what you mean by that. I do want to make the distinction between effort and execution because, because again, I thought Indiana played really hard. And I think, I think if Indiana brings this level of the, the, the effort to me that I saw today, if they bring that to the Nebraska game, 
they win that game by seven to eight points. Yeah. Right. And, and, and they didn't do that. And so they lose that home game. And now you compound it with this loss, which, yes. look, you might have played well and you might have still lost to Louisville, yeah. you know, and, and there wouldn't have been any shame in that. And in fact, you know, there are some potential positives that are going to get lost in this loss and the slide. And they should, for instance, only turning it over two times in the second half. That was a nice adjustment. That was good to see. Was it three times? However many it was. Yeah, however many it was, it was better. You know, again, the offensive rebound, you cited some of that. And if Indiana does make some threes, and if Louisville misses a few or Indiana had a hand in their face, this game is different. But it none of that stuff, you know, that that's all gonna come hollow. And and and, and we and we're not gonna spend a whole lot of time talking about that in this game because there are a lot of warning signs right now for this team. A, a lot hey, of them. And, and I think I think the first one that we need to talk about. Let me step gotta, in real quick. Let me step in. I, I want to I respond to what you said about, about effort versus execution. And, and you're yeah. right. And, and what I would say is it was a lot of unfocused effort. Yes. It, it was it was yes. a lot of a lot of just okay, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go without okay, we got to go and do this and, and, you know, take advantage of what was given to them. Um, you know, when a team plays as high pressure as Louisville does, there are ways to beat it. It's tough and it's not easy. And Louisville is always, every year, one of the better defensive teams and one of the tougher teams to play. And it's hard to recreate the way they play in practice. Um, and, and that's why, uh, you know, another example of that was when Shaka Smart was at VCU and running that Havoc system. The reason why he was able to upset so many teams is because it's impossible to recreate the way they play in practice. Louisville is the same way. And, and so when you're looking at this game, you've got to remember, okay, these guys, Indiana, they made Indiana uncomfortable the entire game. Louisville does that to everybody. But, but why don't it, we do that to anybody? Uh, well, here's what I was going to say. The key to defeating that is when you're uncomfortable, make smart decisions. And what who does that? Leaders do that. Leaders make smart decisions. Leaders find holes. Leaders find gaps. And leaders keep everybody calm. And Indiana does not have leadership right now. That is the key. As for making other teams uncomfortable, Indiana does that when it's playing its high-tempo, fast offense and did not do that today. And when it's when it's playing the way that Indiana is supposed to play, Indiana made Kansas uncomfortable, made North Carolina uncomfortable, made other has made other teams uncomfortable, other good teams uncomfortable. But you're right. It's 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 a matter of Louisville doing what they wanted to do and and Indiana not And, and, and good teams find a way to put their personality on the game as opposed to having it foisted on them. So that that's what I saw today, at least. Yeah, I also want to say, you know, th- there's an interesting comment in our chat talking about how, you know, this team plays tight and tired and overthinks it. And I think that is true, too, because I think you can play hard, but play with kind of a joylessness. And that's kind of what I saw today. Like, again, you know, Indiana playing hard, but, you know, just the, there being kind of that something else that's missing and that kind of the 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 togetherness the connectedness you know that we saw so much last year uh and it just it, it wasn't there I, I do look let's start breaking down some specifics um and i think we need to start with thomas bryant um because i think he's such an important piece on this team and i thought he really really struggled today um struggled to get involved you know i, I thought in the first half he did a, a pretty nice job of running the floor and doing some of those things but just <sighs> I don't know. Something seems a little off with him right now, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, you know, he, he's certainly missing a lot of shots last year that we saw him make. You know, not 
able to consistently impact the game uh, on either end and sat for, you know, decent stretches of the second half uh, today. And, and you know, I thought at times Indiana functioned better without him on the floor. I thought Deron Davis played better today, you know, and Deron Davis, you know, finishes with 8.7 boards, didn't play the same number of minutes, but I thought was more effective with the time that he had in there. It was more uh, smartly aggressive. Obviously, he has, you know, a little bit of trouble getting lift when, when he's down there in the post and got some, some shots blocked. But Indiana needs more from Thomas Bryant. They got a little more from OG today. Not exactly what you need. And obviously, Robert Johnson's poor shooting and James Blackman Jr.'s inability to get involved on offense hurt. But I think you've got to start with Thomas Bryant because this is a game typically he steps up in, a big game. We saw him last year you know, against Kentucky and in so many games this year step up. And I just I feel like he's starting to slide a bit as we go further into the season. And it's a little bit concerning. It's a lot concerning, actually. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that Mahmoud, I mean, we got to give him credit. He played a great game today, just affecting shots all over the place. And that's why Indiana, I mean, there were layups, the easy layups they missed repeatedly. And it was because he was there and that's in the back of your head. Now, it's not an excuse. I'm just saying that, you know, that's natural. That happens when you've got a great shot blocker like that in the post. And and he played a fantastic game today. He's a guy who I had no uh, faith in for Louisville stepping up and being he's so wispy and he's you know just really not a strong guy but he's he's turning into an excellent player for them and there were several times where Thomas Bryant had one-on-one with him had Mahmoud on his back made a move and just missed the shot I mean and, and Thomas Bryant you uh, like look I love Thomas we all love Thomas if you want to be a first round draft pick you want to be an all-american if you're one-on-one in the post I don't care who you're against I don't care if it's the best defensive player in the nation you're one on one with a guy in the post. You got to make that shot, and he was just wild with him. He was going up, uh, you know, left-handed uh, and shooting it, you know, across his body and things like that. I mean, it's just you got to take advantage, and you also can't shrink when you have one on one with a guy and kick it back out. You've got to go at him. I mean, that's 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 he's Thomas Bryant, he's Thomas freaking Bryant. You know, I mean, he's got to realize that and and be aggressive and be. Uh, you know, the guy that everybody says he is. I mean, you've got people nationally talking about how great he is. Be that guy. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's disappointing because this was a huge opportunity for him to showcase himself on a national stage. And, you know, as a fan of the guy, you want him to do well. And and he didn't. And I agree with you. I thought Deron Davis was better um, in long stretches of this game. He was only three of 10 from the field. But every time he got the ball, you didn't feel like, oh, he's going to get rid of it or give it to someone else or he can't score. You felt confidence that he was going to try and attack and do something. So uh, I agree with you. I think Deron Davis played a better game today. Um, but we know what what Thomas is capable of. That's a guy who can take over a basketball game, and and he needs to start doing that. And you know what? He needs to start doing it now. Now, that and that's what I mean. Something just feels off. Like, I just don't feel like it's the same guy. Like, I, we see some emotional outbursts from him. Again, I'm a thousand miles away watching on TV, you know, so sometimes it's hard to get this sense. Something just feels different to me about it. And I don't I don't know exactly what it is. Um, And I don't think it's just the way people are defending him. Um, So I don't know if it's a bit of a crisis of confidence or what it is. But you're right. It's got to get fixed. Speaking of a crisis of confidence, uh, let's talk about Robert Johnson next, who is such an important part of this team. And tried his damnedest today, but just couldn't make a shot. And so we're going to talk about that because that was such an important part of this loss for Indiana. First, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. You know that. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to. And none of those older ticket sites seem to want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and they've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. 
SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert like the upcoming game against Illinois on January 7th. Hopefully, Indiana's not trying to break a three-game losing streak for that game, but it is the game that we'll all be in attendance. Ryan will be there with his press pass, as will Will. Andy and I will be in the stands. And so if you're going to be in Bloomington, we'd love to see you at that game. Go to SeatGeek if you need tickets, or we're going to be hanging out at Yogi's after the game. So come stop by and check us out there. Uh, shoot me an email or tweet me if you need the details on that. Uh, but everything about SeatGeek designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. They do the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. They do the work. You save the time and money, which is why you should use them. Best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, download the SeatGeek app. It's free. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-O-Y. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. We are breaking down Indiana's loss to Louisville today at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. And Ryan... Let's talk about the day for Robert Johnson. Um, he had we nine points. To. We, we have ha to. <laughs> we have to. You know, and, and look, this is a day, you know, if you've played basketball, you've had a day like this. And there's a good chance that the day like this probably came away from home outside of the friendly confines of your own arena. And you just had an awful shooting day. And that's what Robert had today. He was one for 13. He was 0 of 8 from downtown. Um, and look, I thought a lot of his shots in the first half I mean, I just looked at the way his body was aligned when he went up, and I knew he was going to miss him because he was off balance. He was kind of hot jumping off one foot. It just didn't look like Robert Johnson. And so I don't know if that's an injury causing him to shoot differently, if it's being sped up by Louisville's defense, if it's just you know feeling weird about shooting at Banker's Life Fieldhouse where it seems like no Hoosier has ever shot well. Uh, but for whatever reason, he was off. And I think you have to credit Louisville's defense for some of that. But it was also just some wide-open looks that some of that is probably random variance and some of it is just a guy having a bad shooting night on a day when, frankly, he needed to make shots. And freshman or sophomore Robert Johnson, you might say, all right, damn, you know, a decent game, you know, shot poorly, did some other things well, because I thought, frankly, he sat the bench to start the second half. I thought when he came in, he was really, really good for about a five, six-minute stretch. He was going back door. He was doing whatever he had to do to find a way to score. And when you saw how badly he shot, the fact that he finished almost in double figures is a testament, I think, to his commitment to finding a way somehow to get involved. You know, and so I don't think it was a totally lost effort for Robert Johnson. You saw Thomas Bryant at one point get really mad at a questionable foul call on Juwan Morgan. And Robert Johnson is the first guy in his face saying, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, he was over there talking to Curtis Jones. So I think we saw some of the leadership, the vocal type leadership, the leadership by example from Robert Johnson that we needed. But the kind of leadership Indiana really needed today is their junior who needs to play like a senior who shot well all year making shots. And sometimes in basketball, it's a make-or-miss game. You've got to step up and make shots, give your teammates confidence, because if they see the offensive engine, a guy like Robert Johnson shooting poorly, it's going to have an effect on, on the entire team. And as an upperclassman now, you know, with Robert Johnson, he, he's got he, to be able to make more shots than he made today. And, and so I think not a totally lost effort for him. He was out there you know, trying and doing some things well, but the single most important thing he could have done today he just couldn't do. He couldn't, uh, you know, unlock that basket. And it really, really torpedoed Indiana's chances to make this a competitive game. Yeah, I think Robert was uh, this to me. It looked like he was a guy who was pressing after a bad game against Nebraska. 
I, that that's what it looked like to me. It looked like he was he, you know, especially with his comments after the game about how you know they didn't take Nebraska seriously, and you know, uh, you know he sort of alluded to that. He didn't outright say it, but um, I, I thought it was a guy who, especially with all the questions of leadership and all that. By stuff, the way, he, he did say they thought the game was going to be a little bit easier than it ended well, up being. So he basically right. came out and said that they didn't, you know, right? But he didn't say that he didn't straight up say because of Nebraska or anything. He thought you know you could interpret that as well. It was a home game. It opened the Big Ten against the team that's not doing great you know um but he didn't he didn't blast nebraska i don't want to put that out there he didn't say anything specifically about nebraska but i uh i think it was a guy who was just pressing and 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 you know forcing shots and 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 maybe getting frustrated and continuing to force them i i think that look you can't question robert's effort really ever uh he's gonna be out there and play hard but you, you've got to question the the and I don't want to say focus because he's focused. It just feels like sometimes he pushes too hard and pushes himself too hard and tries to do things he's not good at. I mean, he was jacking shots up that James Blackman Jr. takes, and some of which James Blackman Jr. probably would pass on because they weren't great shots. And we know, like he was reticent to shoot today. James was. I mean, only well, take, I thought I, this was a game where he needed to look for a shot more. Yeah, but I'll give Louisville a lot of credit. They they overplayed they him, and and they they. they you know, he was their focus. They were focused on stopping him, and 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 they did a good job at that. I mean, to to their credit, and and you know what, there are going to be games in the Big Ten where teams do that to James. I mean, that's when you're the leading scorer and you can shoot and score as well as he can. Teams are going to focus on stopping you, and it's on the other guys, as we've been saying, to step up. It's on somebody else to to have a big game, and 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 really, Robert was the guy you would look to to that. Maybe OG. Um, and again, OG finished with 14 points and three rebounds. We talked about that. But, you know, it, it felt like he was, you know, floating through large sections of the game and not affecting the game. So, uh, you know, when Robert is having an off night, when James Blackman Jr. is having an off night, I mean, when those two combine to shoot two of 12 from three, you're not going to win games. I mean, you're just not. This team is not built that way. They should be, and they should be able to dump it into the post and dominate that way, but they don't. And so when you play the way Indiana has played to this point this season, you can't have a guy go one of 13 from the field and O of eight, especially a guy who has the ball in his hands a lot, you know, and, and, and actually, you know, turn the ball over one more time, you know, have one more turnover than he did made field goals. Uh, you know, that's just not, that's not, that's not a recipe for winning. And, and um, so, you know, I, I just think that with Robert, I think he was pushing too much. I, I think that, He's not going to be a primary scorer where he's the guy who's going to score 20, 25 points in a game and lead you to victory. I think he needs to be that guy who's the secondary guy who makes big shots, makes smart decisions, and makes big plays. And yeah, he can shoot a high percentage, but he's not going to be a guy like James who's going to bust out a 25-point game. I just don't see that from him. Um, so you know he's got to focus on his role and focus on beating the guy in front of him and making the smart play after he does that. Yeah, I I want to uh, I, again hard day to find positives. I do want to point one out, and that is the toughness of Jawan Morgan. I don't know that Jawan particularly played a great game today. He had seven points. He had four boards. Three of them offensive. A couple of them just spectacular offensive rebounds. And he he didn't have as many offensive rebounds in the second half because he was forced to play point guard a lot. Like the Jawan point guard, Jawan Morgan point guard thing was a real thing today because frankly nothing else was working. And that when Indiana probably played its best in the second half it's when Juwan was out there and he had a great pass to Robert going back door I mean so I don't this is not an answer for the rest of the season if Indiana wants to be a competitive team but it did work for a stretch today but what impressed me there's a rebound in the second half 
It's a congested offensive rebound. It's contested. He knows he's going to go up and get banged and fall to the floor, and he didn't hesitate. And this is a guy playing with a bruised shoulder. We saw how hard he hit the deck against Nebraska. You know, and look, we saw him miss some blockouts in the second half. He didn't play a great game, but I love that guy's toughness. Again, on a team where you're really searching for leadership, I think Jawan does lead with toughness and he leads with, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get on that court. And that's important. You know, how, how much, you know, that can affect Indiana moving forward. I don't know, but on, you know, this has been a week where there hasn't been a lot to laud about Indiana. And I just think Juwan's toughness coming back from that injury playing and the toughness that he showed today, uh, it continues to impress. So a lone bright spot in a dark, you know, week for IU basketball. Yeah, I, I, I mean, just to just to add on to that, I mean, look, we we knew how tough he was last year. You know, with what he was playing, he was essentially separating his shoulder. What seemed like every game, and he kept coming back. I mean, that is regardless of like, well, he just pops it back in. That is in, immensely painful, and and he played through that. Uh, he's a tough kid, and and you know, some of these guys who may not have had great games were doing the best they could. I mean, it was it was one of those days where who? every everything Louisville did sort of seemed to you know, uh, lead to a loss. I mean, no, I thought, I thought Morgan played well. I played hard. At least I thought Deron Davis played hard and, and tried, yeah. uh, you know, I thought Curtis Jones was just, the game was too big for him, but he wasn't, he wasn't out there just, you know, not doing anything. He was trying, he was working his, he was working his tail off. He's inconsistent. He's a freshman. That's what they are. But he, he was out there working and, and, and trying to make things happen. And again, Oh, five from the field for Curtis Jones. Oh, three from three point range. The game was too big for him. It, it just was. And, and you've got Which is ironic considering the Kansas game, his first yep. wasn't. I mean, I, you but know, he's a freshman. And that, and that's, it, I know, but he's a freshman. It's inconsistency. I mean, that's what's going to be. And, and, and again, he was going up against experienced perimeter defenders who know how to stop a guy like Curtis Jones. And he's trying to make things happen. But he's out there giving the effort and, 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 you know, diving on the floor and doing whatever he needs to do. Um, but so I thought a few of the guys really, you know, we're doing everything they could. They just could, you know, it wasn't good enough. Um, and and you're, you'll forgive that. Uh, what you won't forgive is stupidity and, 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 and a lack of focus and a lack of, you know, uh, directed effort to do the things that Indiana can do. And I think that the post touches is a big part of that. Um, and again, Louisville in some cases did a great job taking those away, but, on the other side of it, when Indiana did have its opportunities, again, they threw it to the wrong hand, they, you know, which put it in a position where it could be stolen. Uh, or when Thomas Bryan or Deron Davis did have the ball, sometimes they, you know, dribbled into a crowd and lost the ball. I mean, it's, you know, it's a matter of combining ability with intelligence and, and with basketball IQ and also reading what the defense is giving you and making a play. And, and they just didn't do that. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's it's a bummer because we've seen what this team can do and 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 so uh, I think that's where the disappointment comes from. If if you lose to Louisville, eh, you know that's that's the number six team in the country. I would say right now they're probably one of the top four teams in the country. Um, you lose to Louisville, you lose to Louisville, but it's the way they lost and it's how they performed, and that's what's disappointing, especially when you know what this team's capable of. Well, and, and the issue here is look. I don't know that we were really going to learn a lot new about this team if we won. Because if we go out and beat Louisville, all it's all it does is it confirms what we already know about this team's ceiling, which is that it's high. You know, you beat Kansas, you beat North Carolina, you know that you can compete with those teams. So you go out and beat Louisville. If Indiana had done that, then you're kind of confirming that. And that's fine. 
which actually would have been nice to see given that Nebraska loss, but it certainly wouldn't have shown us whether Indiana can get up to play teams like Nebraska and Fort Wayne, which there are the, you know many more of those teams left on the schedule. But I think this loss now, what it does to me is it it scares me because now, you know, I wonder, look, we know that ceiling is still there, but I worry a little bit. Look, we have seen, we didn't see it last year. And we didn't see it in 2013 and we didn't see it in 2012 when Tom Crean had really strong internally led teams with experience, with strong personalities that could lead. If you go back and look at the other seasons, which didn't have that, I'm pretty sure every season had a time in there where things spun out of control for about a month. And it felt like Indiana was kind of rudderless and couldn't get back, whether it's, you know, losing nine straight to end the season or, you know, the way the 2015 season ended. And I worry about that now with this team. Losing two already, you've got Wisconsin coming up. I certainly wouldn't have expected it to happen this early in the season, and we know what we have coming down the road. But I'm now worried that you know this team's going to look up and say, oh, crap, are we good? You know, have a crisis of confidence and not really know what they hang their hat on. Because, Ryan, what does this team hang its hat on right now? We thought this team might have a defensive identity. They don't have that. You know, if they're clinging to any confidence from the guarantee games when they put up a lot of their stats, I mean, that is, you know, as empty a confidence as you can get because we're now pretty far removed from the Kansas game when Indiana played pretty well offensively. And we had, this team now has a lot of experience struggling offensively. So I'm kind of wondering what this team clings to now because when you're kind of down and you're struggling, you need to cling to something, to your identity that you can build on. And I, and I think offensive rebounding is certainly one. I think that is this team's identity. What else does this team have to cling on that they can help pull, pull themselves out of this rut right now against a really good team in Wisconsin? That's not a good opponent for trying to get right against. Yeah, especially because of the way they play and how it's hard to replicate in practice. And we've talked right. about that for years with them is that nobody plays like Wisconsin plays. And so it's really hard to, to, to prepare for. Uh, no, what I would say is, is the things that this team was hanging its hat on before the season uh, were its stars. With, with Thomas Bryant, OG Ananobi, they're not going to let you lose more than a few games. You know, they're just that good. Um, and I think it needs to go back to that. I, I, well, that's, that's an individual player thing. I think that the idea of this team needs to be, hey, when the chips are down, at least we've got this guy. And, and that's what they relied on with, with leadership from, from Yogi Ferrell last year was, hey, you know what? When things are bad or things start to go out of control, we can put the ball in this guy's hands and he'll make something happen. He might make something happen for another player. It may not be him scoring, but we know he can calm it down and, and get us you know, where we need to be. Uh, Thomas Bryan, OG Ananobi uh, need to be those guys. You know, When things are down, they need to be able to make a play that, that changes a game. Um, and, and we saw today, and, and I know a lot of people are saying like, oh, well, they shot poorly from three. That's not an excuse. Well, you have to remember that three-pointers are momentum changers at all times. A guy makes a three. And it's irrational, but a guy makes a three. It looks good. It feels good. He can celebrate as he's running back. That's a momentum changer. And, and Indiana didn't have those. So they need to have, again, along with OG, along with uh, Thomas Bryant, you've got to have James Blackman Jr. involved. You've got to have Robert Johnson involved. Those are the four guys this team's going to lean on at all times. Juwan Morgan coming off the bench can be reliable, but he's not a guy you lean on necessarily to win games. Those four guys need to decide, you know, are we stars? Are we guys who are going to go down in Indiana history as being great players? Or are we just guys who are here 
and, and, and going through the motions. They need to step up and, and win games for this team. And, and you know, it's a team game and, and everybody has to be involved, but you need to find leadership somewhere and you find leadership, hopefully from your stars and hopefully from guys who can change momentum, change the momentum of a game can change the way, you know, the team plays. And if it's po- playing poorly, you got to rely on that. And quite frankly, Thomas Bryant in the big 10, uh, I know everybody's all about Caleb Swanigan right now, loving him and, 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 and lauding him. And to his credit, he's played very well. But Thomas Bryant should be able to dominate every big man in the Big Ten. There's no question in my mind, ability-wise, he should be able to do that. They should know that when things are going poorly, throw the ball to Thomas and let him do something. And he's got to, we've harped on this a lot, he's got to step up and be that guy. Yeah, and if that doesn't happen, you know, you're left with a big pile of, I mean, I don't know what, but it's, I don't know. It just it, it's worrying me um, because I think you know. Again, you lose to Fort Wayne. You can you know kind of say maybe that's a blip, but that clearly is not a blip, and there are clearly some really serious issues going on. Uh, you know, with this team. And look, you know, I'm curious what you think about this. That the folks are talking about it in the chat, and I don't. You know, I, we don't have the full context, so it's hard to, to to discuss in full. But you know, from the presser, Crean said, "I'm not going to overreact when you shoot as poorly as we did." And I'm curious to get your thoughts, because I think on the one hand, Indiana fans don't want to hear that from him. They really don't, because it be, sounds like an excuse. It sounds right. like well, we, and, and we played all know, well and we didn't shoot well. Right. And we all know if you've played basketball, look, you're going to have some bad shooting nights. And what the good teams do is they find a way to stay in games, even when they're not shooting well, because you have a plan B or you have a plan C and you can do that. And we're all so frustrated about that and don't want to hear anything like that. On the other hand, he has a point in this sense that this is a team built on shooting. Now, part of the problem is that this team doesn't shoot as well as the teams the last two years did. So the last teams, the last couple of years, even at, you know, Banker's Life, where Indiana, you know, struggles to shoot, those teams could shoot well enough to help overcome turnovers and overcome some of these things and stay in games. This team doesn't shoot that well when they're not playing, you know, Delaware State. Uh, and so it's going to be magnified even more when there aren't other elements added to the offense. And I don't know what those other elements are. And so, you know, look, this team is going to have to shoot well, and they're probably going to lose games like this against good teams. And so on the one hand, I get that he doesn't want to overreact and it makes some sense, but I also get why no one wants to hear that and why it's a, it's a really empty, type of thing to say because that's not that's not helping you get to the next step which is either shooting better or you know trying to find your plan b or plan c that's going to help you the next time you shoot poorly right let's let's remember people were were upset that tom cream wasn't overreacting to the duke loss last year too i mean this guy knows his team better than we do uh i i agree that look indiana had about six or seven wide open looks from three that they missed um now, you're not going to make all of those, but you make half of them, it's a different game because of the momentum change and all that stuff. Uh, he's right uh, to a degree. Is that, yeah, you, when you shoot 32% from the field and 19% from three, you're not going to win the game. I'm, I'm sorry. You're just not. There's no way you're going to do that. Now, are there issues about the shots they're taking and how they're getting them? Yes, and that needs to be addressed, and I'm sure he knows that. He's not an idiot. You know, it needs to be addressed how you attack the team, how you get your shots, where you're getting your shots from, and how you're setting them up, and all that stuff. That needs to be uh, addressed. This isn't like he's saying, I don't read this as him saying, 
well, when you're standing wide open and you miss shots, you're going to lose the game. That, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying that shot selection is also involved in that. Now, I know I'm going to get people saying, oh, he's just a Crean defender. No, I've ripped Tom Crean as much as anybody the la- over the last you know, last year, certainly before the tournament. Not as much as anybody. Well, <laughs> I'm also a pragmatist, and I realize that players play the games, and the coaches put them in the positions to do the things, and coaches can affect the game, but only so much. Um, you know, I don't care who's coaching today. If you shoot that way, you're going to lose. Um, but, you know, it's I, I agree with him, though. I mean, you, you can't win shooting like that. And and you and look, Robert Johnson had he missed eight threes. I would say four of them were uncontested, and he normally makes those. You know, well, why? What? What? What's going on today that made him miss those? Uh, James Blackman Jr. was two of four from three, which isn't bad, but he also had a wide open three that it rimmed out. And and you know, especially when the other team is making those, you're going to lose. You just are. And 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 um. There are plenty of other ways you can win the game, you know, playing a little bit better defense, get, making the layups that they were missing because their shots were affected by, you know, uh, some the big men from Louisville. I mean, concentrating and just making those, you can win the game that way. But when you're missing shots and the other team is making them, it's going to be really hard to win that game. It's the same issue against Butler. Butler made their contested shots. Yeah. Indiana did not. And, 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 that was the difference in the game. You look at that game statistically, you look at it, I've rewatched it twice. That was the difference in the game is Butler made their shots when they had opportunities and Indiana did. And the thing is, if this game were on an island, it would be a lot easier to feel a little bit better, frankly, about this loss when you just look at the 40 minutes that we just watched. The problem is that it's not. And you have to Agreed. view it within the context of the no-shows against Fort Wayne in Nebraska and the bludgeoning at the hands of Butler because that's basically what they did. They took their system and bludgeoned us with it. And so it just it kind of brings up some of these recurring narratives. No, I agree. And you just see and that frustrate everybody. This certainly feels like it lines up with everything else. With you. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're looking at this game and you're being asked about this game in a press conference, you're going to discuss what the issue was in this game. And and the issue in this game was, I'm sorry, 32.2% from the field and 19% from three-point range. Statistically, if you look at the box score, and I know that's not the only way to break down a game, but if you look at the box score, those are the two spots, field goal percentage and three-point percentage, where Indiana was poor in this game or, or, you know, below what they normally do, which Indiana usually hangs its hat on. Exactly. And, and so you've got to look at, that is an issue. And, and now there are reasons for that issue. And there's a deeper thing. As I said, it's how you get the shots, how you're running your offense, how you, you know, when you decide to shoot things like that, that need to be worked out. But if you're simply looking at this game and what the issue was, they didn't make shots. They just didn't. And they were taking bad shots and they made, didn't make them. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about OG Ananobi here in just a second. And I have a potentially controversial opinion about Josh Newkirk that I also want to get to. Uh, so we're going to discuss that coming up. I do want to take a quick minute and tell you why you should activate your free assembly call membership. There's three reasons. Longtime listeners, you should be able to recite these by now. Number one, it's quick and easy. Go to assemblycall.com slash join. It takes you 15 seconds. Insert clever Rick Patino joke here. Uh, it's how you get our best content. Also, by joining, you receive our weekly six banner Saturday IU Hoops News Roundup, as well as our detailed post-game analysis emails. Uh, and it's also how you connect with us in the Assembly Call community because only members can access our moderated post-game live chat and our discussion forum. So if you like what you hear on the Assembly Call, becoming a member is the next logical step. And you do that for free at assemblycall.com slash join. 
All righty, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We are breaking down Indiana's 15-point loss to Louisville today at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. Ryan, let's discuss the day for OG and Anobi uh, because I thought it was a mixed bag for OG. I, his stats aren't necessarily as impressive as the Nebraska game, yet I, to me, I thought at times he played better. And look, he didn't start today. Uh, he came off the bench, which I think, given how poorly he has started games, was a really good decision. I thought Tom Crean, you know, did some things wrong today, no question. But I thought giving Deron Davis a start, you know, considering how well he played, and he should have played more in the second half of that Nebraska game, but giving him a start, letting OG come in off the bench, I thought was a good thing. And I thought OG responded relatively well because I thought he played well early. Um, finished with 14 points, only three boards. You'd like to see him get more, especially on the offensive end. Um, but you know, he was over three from three. So maybe took a few more threes than you'd want to see, but six of seven on twos. And I thought he was really effective, you know, playing down low and driving for the dunk. Like I mentioned earlier, two of five from the free throw line, not a good thing. Um, but only one turnover, whereas he had five against Nebraska. So I thought, look, OG, I think we know this about him. You know, he is a guy who is going to drift in and out of games a little bit. It's just, it's his personality. He's a laid back guy. He doesn't have that motor that goes 100% at all times, which is frustrating. Um, and you'd like to see that get better. And I think maybe we didn't see that quite as much last year because he didn't play as much, but he's out there a lot more now. So your strengths, your weaknesses, they're all going to get exposed a little bit more. And when he's exposed for long stretches, I think you kind of see that drifting in and out of games. And he may just be a guy that's better in shorter spurts. I don't know. Um, but I thought, to me, better decision-making today than he showed against Nebraska. Um, again, we want to see more from him. We expect more. He's capable of more. But I am starting to wonder if him kind of being a super sixth man and coming in off the bench isn't a better role for him until he proves that he's ready to hit the court running and play better from the start of games. Because he's hurting Indiana at the start of games, uh, you know, the, the last few. Yeah, I I mean, it's just such a tough thing because he's so talented. He has the ability to just dominate a game. Uh, I mean, he took over that North Carolina game in stretches, but today you just felt like he was sleepwalking through parts of the game. And, and not from an effort standpoint, just from a... Um, almost like he didn't know what to do with himself. And and look, you see that dunk where he just drove, turned the corner, and threw it down, and you realize, dude, you can do that on every play. I mean, that's how good he is. He is that talented to be a guy who can just affect a game and, and, and mix it up and drive on people. I mean, look, he should be driving more, quite frankly, uh, because he can beat people one-on-one. -on -one. He's too strong to stop, and, and he needs to be in the paint. He needs to be... Uh, you know, overpowering people and and finding spots to cut into the paint, finish there, drive, you know, handle the ball, things like that. And he also needs to work on his free throw shooting, man. I mean, that's like right now when OG Ananobi gets the ball, why would you not foul him immediately? I mean, honestly, it's it, he was two of five today. He missed three really key shots and key points from the free throw line. He should be. I, I tweeted this out. He should be living in Cook Hall at the free throw line right now because he needs to fix that. Whatever's going on with his shot, he needs to fix it. And and the coaches need to be working with him on it as well. Um, but he's just a guy who has the ability to just take over and dominate a game. And he 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 hasn't really shown to, he can do that consistently. And and that's a problem. And and I think it's affecting his defense too. I think his defense has been solid this year, but it's not the the other level defender we saw last year. 
No, it's not. It, it's it's inconsistent effort. It's inconsistent fundamentals. And if you recall last year, whenever he and Juwan would come in, we'd talk about how just consistently with effort and with fundamentals, those guys play defense and we're seeing some slippage there. And again, maybe that's because they're playing longer stretches. You know, when a guy gets more exposed, those things happen. I, I struggle with OG a little bit. I go a little bit back and forth because so much of the OG greatness even from the start of the season, was based on potential, you know, and we saw flashes as a freshman. We've seen some flashes this year, you know, and I do wonder a little bit if we hold him to an unfair standard because of NBA draft boards and because of, you know, just this projection of how spectacular he can be. But on the other hand, you know, I can't imagine that he doesn't want to see himself as that player. And I think it does a disservice to him to hold him to any less of a standard than the player we know he can be. And so, you know, I, I do think that we have to understand a little bit that he's still a sophomore going through some natural growing pains and he's not going to be, you know, Calbert Chaney every night out there on the court, despite all the physical gifts that he has. And there has to be some understanding of that. But I think it's very fair to hold him to a standard of playing, you know, with more consistent, apparent interest and energy uh, and all those things and making some of those game changing plays. So I think there's some balance there in the middle uh, that is warranted, you know, in terms of us as analysts and what fans should expect from him. But the bar has to continually be raised because his talent warrants it. Yeah, I mean, right now, if I was advising OG, I'd tell him to come back for another year. I mean, I mean, and, and I think this is not a guy if he's who- going to be a lottery pick, though. Well, I mean, of course, no, but I, I don't think he would be at this point. I, I genuinely don't. Yeah. I think his his shooting has been so inconsistent, um, and his effort has been inconsistent. And you can't if you don't bring it one night in the NBA, you're going to sit for three weeks. I mean that that's just the that's the the life, you know. And, and it's a rough life, and and it's unforgiving. But if you, you know get embarrassed once you're going to be sitting for a while. And, and right now OG has a lot of developing to do. And, and bear in mind, this is a guy at the beginning of the year I thought was gone for sure. And was a lottery pick. And right now I'm not sure he's that guy. I think he has the potential to be certainly, uh, and be a guy who really can affect games at the next level. Um, but I just don't see the consistency and I don't see the level of development we need for him to have at this point physically it's there i mean he's so much bigger and stronger than he was last year and all that stuff but you know there just isn't a consistency to his game and and that needs to come i mean for indiana and for him you know for his for his life his future uh that needs to come and it needs to come you know fairly soon uh so i mentioned i, I had a potentially uh, controversial opinion on josh newkirk and that opinion is this i actually thought newkirk was better today and here's the thing. That's a bit of a backhanded compliment because I think outside of that Austin P game, he has played really poorly. You know, and I've gone on record as saying, yes. Nebraska, I, but give him North Carolina, too. He played very well. In yeah, that North- he, he did. He played very well in that game. But here's the thing. I, you know, especially in that North Carolina game, I thought he was put in a better position to succeed. And so I've always said I put, you know, like I've got someone in my Twitter thing, you know, because I mentioned, you know, don't boo these guys. They played hard. You know, they just didn't play well. There's no reason to boo the team. I get it if you're frustrated with the coaching and all that. And I've got this guy saying I boo Newkirk because he's just awful. And I just think that's so misguided. New, Josh Newkirk is not an awful player. He's a capable defender. He can do some good things. And he really tries to execute what his coach wants. I just think sometimes when I listen to Tom Crean talk about what he wants and what the, the players are doing, you know, against Nebraska, we didn't know when to push the pace and we didn't know when to slow down. And I see in Josh Newkirk, a guy who is overthinking everything, 
and is really struggling, I think, to understand what it is exactly he's supposed to do. And we saw the one game he took 10-11 shots. Was that the, the Butler game when he takes 10-11 shots? And we talked about he needs to be shooting less. Well, he's been doing that today. He only took four shots. He made three of them. So I thought he was smarter from that perspective. He had a couple of turnovers, you know, and yes, a couple of them were bad. But And look, in the second half, we saw him initiating the offense less until the end when I thought we saw him, Ryan, as you and I talked about before we started the show, make some better decisions about when to turn the corner and, look, attack the rim when there wasn't a guy there. Louisville was kind of giving it to him, but at least he was recognizing it. And so do I think Josh Newkirk is the answer for this team at point guard? No. We've said that from the beginning of the season. I don't think this team is reaching its potential with Josh Newkirk initiating the offense for vast a vast majority of the time. But I think too often he's not put in a position to maximize his strengths. He's put in a position that maximizes his weaknesses. And I think he's forced to play too many minutes more than he should because the alternatives just aren't stepping up. Curtis Jones can't take those minutes. You know, guys are hurt. So, you know, Colin Hartman's out. So the bench is a little bit shorter than we thought. But I think placing all of that at the feet of Josh Newkirk is a little bit misguided. And I thought today, as small as it may have been, I thought he showed a little bit of growth that if he continues that will be better uh, for this team moving forward. So what did you think about Josh? Am I way off base and do I need to get off the, is this like Stanford Robinson and I need to just stop defending him? Uh, here, here's, here's my opinion on Newkirk. I think he's a lot better than he's shown this year. Uh, as far as we're talking consistency wise and all that stuff. And to your point about thinking at the end of the game, when it was pretty much over, and he didn't have to think about what to do. He just had a guy in front of him and went to beat him. He made three layups in a row. I mean, you know, it, it's again, I think that you're right. I think that he's putting, he's almost putting too much on himself to take over for Yogi or to, you know, to be the guy, you know, who runs the offense and things like that. And that's never how this team was going to work. It was going to be a group of people taking it over and, and, you know, trying to, to take it in a new direction. And I think that it's hard being that guy coming in when people are talking to you, uh, talking about you as being, you know, having to replace one of the greatest players in program history. Um, so it's been hard for him. And that's why I've given him a long leash. I don't know if he should be starting. I don't know if he should be playing as much as he is. Um, I'm not sure exactly how you, who you replace him with or, or what you do there. I think, look, I think Devonte green is going to be a point guard. I just think it's going to take him a year. I don't think he's there yet. Um, because somebody was asking me that on Twitter. We don't know a point guard. We don't know a point guard on the roster point guard coming in. Well, I think Devonte green is going to be your point guard. I just think it's, he's not ready. Um, and so I just think that with Newkirk, when he simplifies and stops and gets out of his own head, you start to see the player, that he can be against North Carolina, his job play defense and he shut down Joel Berry. I mean, one of the better players in the country, one of the better perimeter players in the country. Um, and then offensively, he was smart attacked when he needed to. Uh, and, and, you know, look, Newker could beat guys one-on-one. We've seen that all year. And, and so if he just does the things he's good at, I don't think he has to worry about being something he's not for the for the team to succeed. I, I really truly believe that he can be a quality player for this program if he just focuses on the things he's good at. When he's got a guy one on one, take him to the hoop, finish a couple times. This year we've seen him have a wide open layup and miss it. Uh, I, I, I think ideally he's a good seventh or eighth man. And so, uh, all I'm saying is I think he's being asked to do things that aren't and look sure. and, and you're and everybody on this team has to do this. So uh, you know I, I shouldn't use that as kind of an excuse. I just I see a lot of vitriol directed at him. Agreed. And I don't like seeing that because the kid's trying. You know he's making bad decisions. Yes, 
But him in particular, I just see a lot of unwarranted vitriol in his direction um, that I think probably needs to be dispersed a little bit elsewhere. So I, I that, would agree. That's with that. the main point I'm making. And I think that I think that some of the you know other players get a break because. Well, Curtis Jones is a freshman, and you know, Devontae Green's a freshman, and Robert Johnson, well, he's shooting well and all that. You know, I mean, so there's other things that guys are doing. Uh, and also, what Newkirk does defensively for you doesn't show up in a box score. And so people don't. And it hasn't work. been as consistent of late, too. It, I well, I mean, to be fair, you're right. But I'm saying it, that, that those things don't show up, and you can't point to a number. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, and I think he's a guy who also needs to be a leader. I mean, he's a, he's, he's a veteran who is older than most of the guys on this team he needs to be a leader and show some leadership and um and and he, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but he needs to do it on the floor as well and it's hard to to step up and try and you know tell guys to get in the right position and do the right things when you're not playing particularly well so i think it's a combination of of factors that have really led to fans directing their vitriol at him which is unfair you're right it's unfair because he's being put in a situation that's almost impossible um so I, I really think people need to ease up and, and just focus on uh, the team as a whole needing to get better. All right. I'm going to say something and you're not going to like it. Um, and oh really, er, and everybody's probably going to start bleeding out of their ears when they hear this. Um, here, oh here's the thing. You mentioned something earlier about, you know, look, Tom Crean's not an idiot. You know, he understands his team better than anybody. Um, and certainly, you know, we can question whether that is borne out by some of his lineup decisions and all of that. And we have our quibbles and, and yada, yada. But I will say before the season, when everybody was hyping this team up and even after the Kansas game, when everybody was hyping this team up, you know, the one guy who wasn't Tom Crean. And, and I thought at the time that this was Tom Crean a little bit trying to slip back into the underdog role. And I still I don't I, I don't like him doing it to the extent that he did because I think Indiana needs to be a program with more of a top dog mentality. That's a discussion for a whole other day. But I will say the specifics that he talked about, you know, the leadership and some of the things that he thought was missing from this team and that he's talked about a lot this year, those have proven true. Now, it's a bit of a backhanded compliment because, again, you're the coach. You're responsible for those things. Uh, so he needs to be able to find a way, if he sees them happening, to prevent them from being as big an issue as they have. So I don't want to go overboard praising Crean for this. But here's the comparison you're not going to like. The 2014-15 Indiana team was a team bereft of leadership. It had some really good young talent that people got excited about. Uh, and that team was essentially rudderless, especially as we went late into the year and you had you know, some, some guys that kind of started playing for themselves and that team really fractured. I don't know if any of that is happening. I don't know what the inner workings of this team are like, but I am seeing, just from watching the games, I am seeing too much about this season that is reminding me of that season, and I don't like it. And again, you know, and look... I know that Tom Crean wants his teams to be internally led. His best teams have been internally led. But in the absence of internal leadership, it is the head coach that has to lead and set a standard and hold a standard. And, and I think a team like last year's is kind of tailor-made for Tom Crean to coach in a way that he wants to and things kind of turn around. We haven't seen him do that with a team like this, you know, that doesn't have a senior and seems to lack, you know strong personalities internally that can help pull those guys out like a Yogi Ferrell can. And it's, you know, I'm as optimistic as they come, but it's worrying me and it's worrying me a lot. Um, and, you know, because th this team has much more potential than that team did. No question. That yeah. team was a complete mess offensively. Um, but 
there's just some similarities there that are scaring me. So again, I, don't, sure. I hate making people's ears bleed by mentioning that, but I think it's worthwhile at this point, given what we've seen over the last three weeks. Yeah, no, I think that there's uh, there's certainly some comparisons to be made. I don't know how accurate they are just based on yes, the individual. I meant, yeah, and I meant the Vonley season. So if I got the yeah. years wrong, I meant yeah. the Vonley year. Um, that was so. Honest. Yeah, no, and I, 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 again, there are similarities there. Um, what I would say is, I, I mean, look. Who's your hysteria? Tom Crean said, be patient with us. It's going to take a while. Um, he's right. It's going to take a while. It, it clearly, um, it, you know, those early successes are in completely in the rear view now. And you see the issues of this team laid bare. Um, is that a good thing? Probably not. It doesn't feel good right now. Uh, but he clearly knew his team. And he clearly knew what they were going to face. And he clearly knew that, you know, having a leader as a point guard really helps a lot of things because that's the guy, not only a leader, but has a ball, has the ball in his hand. And, um, you know, they don't have that right now. And, and I would say, and I said this after Nebraska, Colin Hartman's absence, we may have thought, Hey, you know what? They'll get through it. They've got X, Y, and Z, all this stuff. They're missing him right now because you know what Colin Hartman did? It, when he was in games last year, he did the right thing all the time. And and rarely did you ever say, oh, what was Hartman thinking there? And, and they need a guy like that right now. They need somebody who can come in and do the right thing all the time, make the right decision, make the right pass, be there defensively, step up, take a charge, all of that stuff. They're missing that right now. They're Just someone really, that you can count on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's someone you can point to and say, I know exactly what I'm going to get from him. And, and they don't have that, and that's a problem. And, 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 and I, that really showed up against Nebraska. I think today, in times, it showed up. At times, Louisville was just playing very well. I mean, let, let's let's be real here. The reason this Louisville loss hurts the way it does is because it came after the Nebraska game. Let, let's be real about that. Louisville is a very good team who played very well today. And, and, and the reason that we're upset about this loss is, is because of what happened against Nebraska, and then you didn't see the classic bounce back today of a team playing with its hair on fire and playing better and playing smarter and 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 accomplishing what it wanted to accomplish. Remember, well, we're upset because Indiana lost by 15 points, and anytime Indiana loses by 15 points, you should be upset. Right, but, it's but I think, but I think it magnified to the point where this is you know a soul searching loss because of what happened on Wednesday. Um, but at the same time, you have to you have to understand. This team usually, I mean, look, last year, Indiana did not have a losing streak. They did not lose back-to-back -back games last year ever. And this year, they have one already, and it, the new year hasn't turned. Uh, you know, that's happening later tonight. And with that new year turning, this team needs to find something. And and Because that Wisconsin, Wisconsin is not going to, it is not going to be forgiving on Tuesday night. Wisconsin's not going to say, "Oh, poor Indiana, they're not playing well." Let's let's, let's give them so? a pass. <laughs> let's give them a pass. Let's 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 play down to them. They're not going to do that. And so, um, look, Indiana can't afford to lose three games in a row. They just can't. They got to beat. They got to beat Wisconsin. And so, this team needs to find something over the next few days uh, to turn the season around. Because if you lose three in a row, two of which have been at home and one was at a neutral floor. You're in trouble. I mean, that that's you're in trouble at that point. I mean, the season's not over because you can pull off some crazy stuff, but but three in a row at this point of the season is, man, that that's that's a blow. And and uh, this team needs to turn it around right now. Yeah, a couple quick hit thoughts here um, before we uh, 
get ready and move into last call. Just stuff that we haven't hit yet. So if there's anything else that you have, Ryan, I thought, uh, look, apparently I saw a tweet from our own Haley Hernandez, one of our interns, that apparently Freddie McSwain was called on to go into the game in the first half and he pulled off his warm up and wasn't wearing his jersey. So that's not good, Freddie. That's not a good look. But apparently he went back in the game anyway. Uh, you know, I kind of feel like if a guy doesn't have his jersey on and isn't ready, maybe you don't put him back in the game. Uh, maybe a little bit of accountability there. So uh, anyway, not, not a good look, Freddie McSwain. I thought in the second half, it was 58 to 51. Indiana was making a bit of a run. It was about time for their last gasp, though still struggling for offense. And Zach McRoberts entered the game. Uh, things didn't go horribly for Indiana at that time, so there's really no blame to place on Zach McRoberts. But I was just thinking to myself, there's a time and a place for Zach McRoberts, and against Louisville on a neutral floor, down seven, when you're struggling for offense, that's not the time for Zach McRoberts. They had really, one or two just awful possessions with him in the game as well. Yeah, offense, and I get, so. you know, I, I think it was maybe before the eight-minute timeout or something. Like, uh, you know, there, there were there there was maybe an argument to be made for it, except that there really wasn't. And I thought. Uh, Galen on uh, today's episode of Crimson Cast did a nice job of saying, you know, Kareem is trying to make Zach McRoberts happen and he needs to, I think, back off of it a little bit. Like, again, there's a time and a place for Zach McRoberts and it's not his fault that he goes into the game and has his limitations exposed. He's put in a position not to succeed and I think that's the job of a coach to do. And so I think you know, whereas last year I felt like Tom Crean really had a handle, especially as the season went on, when to play guys, you know, what what roles guys were in. And that's part of having a mature older team, I get. But I think we have spent some time criticizing the players to a certain extent for not really giving Tom Crean something they can count on. There's also something to be said for if you if you don't, you know, maybe have full trust in the system and you can't quite count on what you're supposed to be doing and what is happening that that's on the coach too. And maybe part of the reason why guys have been inconsistent because they're being put into different roles and they're not being put into roles to succeed. So I think there is shared culpability there um, when we make that, when we make that point. And I think we've made it a lot in the direction of the players, but the coaches also need to be held accountable to that. It's not just like, well, Crean's powerless because the players don't give him anything to count on. Yeah. That also hasn't been developed as well. I, I, I no, I agree with you. And, but you know, it goes both ways. I think that, he certainly deserves blame. I mean, I would never argue otherwise. He deserves blame for where this is at right now. Um, what I would also say is, if and we said this the other day, is when things are going bad, who do you rely on? Like, who on this team do you point to? You'd point to Robert Johnson. What did he do today? You know, nothing. You point to uh, Thomas Bryant working his butt off in the post and making something happen. You point to OG Ananobi, maybe. You point to, you know, uh, you would normally point to, as I said, a Colin Hartman. But, I mean, so it's really hard to know what you're going to get consistently out of these guys. And again, consistency is on the players and it's on the coaches and it's on finding roles for these guys where they can perform consistently. And and that's that's certainly an issue. And and everybody deserves blame. This is not you know, we we focus on the players because they're the name guys out on the floor and we can we can analytically see what they're doing and break down how they're playing and things like that. We don't know what's going on in huddles. We don't know what's going on in the locker room with the coaches and all that stuff. So um, it's, it, that's where we focus most of our analysis, but of course it's everybody's fault. It's, it, you know, this is a team. And it, it, when you talk about a team, the coach is not outside of that team. The coach is a part of that team. So when you criticize the team, you're criticizing the staff and the coaches as well. I mean, at least from my perspective, you are because everybody is involved. And and so, yeah, this team 
including the coaching staff, need to find something in the next few days and, and figure out how they can turn this around. Because as I said, three losses in a row by January 3rd is not a recipe for success. Good point by Brian in our chat. You know, another key moment in the game. Indiana actually came out and played pretty well at the start of the second half and beat yep. Louisville in the first two segments. It was 50 to 44. Indiana's got the momentum. And then they had two turnovers. Louisville made a three to go up nine. And really, that was, you know, they made a three and got it. They made yeah, Indiana and got it to 58-51, but you know, you kind of felt like no. that was a real big missed opportunity. At one point they were down six, had the ball, turned the ball over two possessions in a row. Louisville had a three, and then I think they had two free throws, so that made it eleven, you know, yeah. immediately. And I, I tweeted out, I said that that feels like that's the game because they had a chance to really, you know, the crowd was into it. They had a chance to really swing momentum and and just sort of take hold of the game. And two empty possessions, not only empty possessions, but turnovers, and then two big shots by, or two big plays by Louisville, and there it is. I mean, that's the, th- that's the kind of thing that Indiana did to people last year. And, and when the game would get close, they'd step up and make something happen. And, and Louisville did that today. Yep. The one guy we haven't discussed a ton is James Blackman Jr., uh, who had one of the most inconsequential double doubles that you'll see from him. And so I do want to that discuss shocked. him. That shocked yeah, me. I know. I, I want to discuss him uh, real quick uh, before we get out of here. First, uh, just a quick reminder that a great way to support the assembly call is by ordering your official assembly call t-shirt from HoosierProud.com. Go to HoosierProud.com and you can check those out. Uh, and you can also check out their entire selection of unique stylish apparel that anyone with Indiana roots will love. And don't forget to use the promo code assembly because you get 15% off, not just your assembly call shirt, but your entire order at HoosierProud. Um, so again, the URL HoosierProud.com. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We are wrapping up here. I'm Jared Morris talking with Ryan Phillips about today's disappointing IU loss to Louisville. Ryan, let's quickly hit James Blackman Jr. Uh, I think when you come out of a game as big as the IU-Louisville game and we don't really talk about James Blackman Jr. until I don't even know how long we've been going, but until the last segment, that's probably a good sign that things didn't go well because he's been such an important part of Indiana's big wins. Obviously huge against Kansas. North Carolina, even though he didn't score a ton of points, had huge shots. And the fact that he didn't today is a testament, of course, to how Louisville defended him, as you mentioned earlier. But again, it's just probably a sign that things didn't go well for Indiana. And they didn't because when James Blackman Jr., you know, we talk about sometimes he forces shots, but he's the guy who should probably be leading Indiana in shot attempts every game. And I think when he doesn't, it either means someone else really stepped up or something went wrong. Well, today, no one else really stepped up. And, you know, James just just couldn't get it going. So only eight shots. To his credit, he didn't force them. And some of those that he could have forced probably would have been rejected right back in his face. So he could have propped up his shot attempt number. Um, you know, so I think on that point, it was it was good. I thought he rebounded really well. And we've seen him struggle to rebound. And so I think him getting back to being, you know, a guard who's really rebounding well, it wasn't just a bunch of empty rebounds. I thought he was really aggressive and, and a good rebounder. So it wasn't a total lost effort from him. Um, but Indiana needs more than 10 points against Louisville to, to win. And, and I know they defended him well, but if this guy is going to be an elite scorer, you know, I think you maybe got to find a way to, to get yourself some shots somehow. He didn't. So it wasn't a terrible... There, there, there were many reasons beyond James Blackman Jr. why Indiana didn't win, but I thought this was a game they needed more out of him anyway. Yeah, I would agree. I, look... Uh, Louisville really made him uncomfortable and was sure that he did not get open looks. That was, I mean, that was, that seemed like a huge focus of their game plan and they did an excellent job on it. But again, if you're an elite scorer, you find a way to score. 
I mean, that's that's the whether it's whether it's passing up three point shots and, and getting into the post and maybe even backing a guy down, doing something. You find a way to get somewhere on the court where you can do where you can affect the game. And, and he did not do that today. And you know what? OK, it, it, it was a rough game for everyone. He had a rough game, um, but I appreciated the effort. You know, on the boards, as you said, uh, he even had two steals, which is not a James Blackman Jr. statistic. By but the way, he had two possessions early in the game of great transition defense where he hustled back yes. and, and altered shots where, where Louisville would have scored four easy buckets. And that game yep. could have gotten out of hand early. And, and so, again, you know, wasn't a great defensive effort, but some of those things I thought were positive. Yeah, and 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 you're seeing him uh, sort of evolve to be a little bit better in that way in his hustle and things like that that I just think um, weren't necessarily there when he was younger. Uh, that said, you're right about the offense. I mean, he has to find a way to affect the game, even if it's driving and passing to somebody else who gets open, you know, because they're focusing on him so much. And he didn't have an assist today. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's, if you're the lead scorer like that, you've got to find a way to affect the game that may not be just putting the ball in the hoop. And, and I didn't really think he did that offensively today. Um, again, it was a team wide failure on offense today. Uh, but James was certainly at the heart of that. You know, after that uh, Nebraska show, we've been really good this season about keeping the show shorter. You know, we've been trying to do like 50 minutes and Andy and I went for about 70 minutes after that Nebraska game because there was so much to say. And uh, I, f I don't know how long we've been going, but it feels like we've been going for a while today. There's just, there's a lot to unpack. Is and, the ball uh, going to drop yet? I feel like it's, <laughs> it may. You want, we could just make this a marathon. We could just talk for, you know, nine more hours or however Let's long it will be. Let's do that after a win sometime. Let's not do that after yeah. today. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right, well, what are your final thoughts? Last call, Ryan. I just, I mean, as I said, I think Indiana needs to, after these last two games and after the Butler loss and after the Fort Wayne loss, I mean, the team needs to regroup. I mean, it need they need to, on that ride home today, you know, they should all go to Cook Hall afterwards and sit together and, and just say, like, what kind of a team do we want to be? Do we want to be, as some people have dubbed them, chaos team who wins big games and then loses in crazy circumstances and, and doesn't play well? Or do they want to be a team that's consistent and consistently finds a way to win and exposes the flaws in their opponents? And, and last year, they were the latter. They exposed the flaws in their opponents and they worked them to death. And, and this team needs to decide that. And this team needs to find at least two or three guys who can step up and be leaders and, and can, can right the ship and can you know call guys out when they do something wrong and have it mean something instead of just yelling at each other on the bench or wh whatever happens. Um, so, yeah, I think this team has all of the elements and, and the physical ability to be an excellent basketball team. Um, it has all of the things you want when you want to rely. They can shoot. They, they have a great rebounding team. Uh, at times, they can be excellent defensively. Um, but, you know, you've got to put that all together consistently if you want to win basketball games, and especially in the Big Ten. And they haven't done that so far this year. So, um, what this team needs is A, a boost of confidence, and B, they need to find some kind of center and identity uh, to rally around. By the way, really good point in our chat by Brian saying, what do we do to get Blackman open? We just hope people leave him. And that's, you know, there's some truth to that. I mean, it, you know, we rely a lot on Blackman to kind of be one-on-one -on -one or just to, you know, be open on drive and kickouts. But where do we really work to get him open? Um, I think that's a, that's a good question. This might have been a game to try something because um, there certainly weren't any answers, answers otherwise. 
All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, you know, look, the year 2016 for Indiana basketball. I mean, what a what a roller coaster, you know, which is, is kind of what we've come to expect in the Tom Crean era a little bit. You know, the first part of 2016 was glorious as Indiana took a, a real struggle, uh, it, it, you know, to begin last season and turned it around in magnificent ways last year, you know, to take us all on that great ride, win the Big Ten, um, you know, and have a successful season. And this season started out that way with, with expectations just running rampant because of those big early season wins. But we have been quickly flung back into reality with how this team has played over the last few weeks. Um, and it has been a sobering reminder of the limitations of this team right now, the limitations of this roster and so far the limitations of this coaching staff to find any answers. And the season is not over. Uh, the sky is not yet falling um, but you know, we're, we're starting to feel clouds a little closer to the ground maybe than we want to, uh, I think is, is maybe the best way to put it. And there's gotta be answers quickly because there isn't a Delaware state or an Austin P left on the schedule to relax against and get right against it's Wisconsin and it's big 10 opponents. And so look, you know, getting right against those sub 300 teams didn't do us any good anyway. So it's probably better this way. Uh, and, and we're going to find out really quickly. Uh, against Wisconsin, what time, what kind of metal and what kind of resolve this team has? Because uh, yes, they'll be in the friendly confines of Assembly Hall, but those Simon Scott Assembly Hall, but those confines weren't so friendly against Nebraska. So right now, this team has got to come out, come together, rally around each other, and find something that they can build on. And we haven't seen much of that for the last eighty minutes. Uh, but this team still has the talent and the ability to be a really good basketball team. They've just got to get back to it somehow. Uh, and I don't have the answers for that. Hopefully the guys in that locker room do have the answers to that. And we'll start to see that on Tuesday against Wisconsin. That game is on ESPN. I believe it starts at seven o'clock and as always win or loss, we will be here on the assembly call IU post game show. I think we'll have everybody here. You'll be here for that game, right? Yes, I will. Unfortunately for Andy, I will be here. <laughs> yes. Yes. So Andy, Andy really enjoyed, I think, that last show, just having unencumbered ability to speak to speak without anybody interrupting him. Uh, but it just it just it didn't feel right. I think that's why we went for 70 minutes, because we just kept talking because we were waiting for you to interrupt us. And without that, we just kept rambling and, on. You know, I, 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 I do some things well. Interrupting is one of them. Yeah. By the way, I love my wife. I got a text from her. Uh, early in the show to tell me that I was rambling uh, with one of the points I was making. So, hey, that's great coaching from the sideline. It's not hey, a flashcard telling me not to hop, but it was effective nonetheless. I wasn't going to jump in and say anything, but, you know, I was just going to let her do it. <laughs> all right. Well, just to make sure I don't ramble anymore, thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Disappointing result, but we got to keep supporting this team as we always do. We will talk to you all after the IU-Wisconsin game. Have a happy new year. Have a safe, wonderful celebration. And we'll talk to you again in 2017. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Want to save 17 gallons of fuel every 1,000 miles? You can with the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck. Michelin X1 tires can reduce rolling resistance up to 30% for more fuel savings. 
and Michelin Energy Guard helps you control airflow for lower costs per mile. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details and start saving today. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.